The views of the guests and hosts of the BIPOC Academic Coalition are solely their own, unless otherwise specified, and in no way represent the institutions they may be associated with or work for. Kwabo, Menchile, Midesuno ena chite, lo Midesuno u, wona fuamailo benapabi. Christine, should we uh, stick with the tradition? Yes. Do you want to uh, welcome everybody to the podcast? Hello, listeners. Welcome to the BIPOC Academic Coalition's latest episode. See, you're doing it better than me. You should do it every time. Okay. And then, and then I'm not like I was editing the last podcast and how many times I screwed up at the beginning because it was in the morning and this time it's the afternoon. Now, the other thing that I have to say, and if anyone wants to jump in and help me out on it, is remember we're going into each episode with the confidence of oh, of a white man, a, medi- <laughs> a mediocre white man, what mediocre okay? white man? <laughs> because there are exceptional white men, right? Yes, there yeah. are, and there are but some hard ones. Yeah, but it's the, it's the mediocre ones that we really have to just attain ourselves to that <laughs> level. All right, so I'm just going to ask how everybody is. Abdullah, you've got your uh, you, you you can't mic yourself. I don't care what's happening in your house. I want to hear everyone, everything. If Jawad is yelling at you, I want to hear his complaints. Okay, they are leaving. They're oh. leaving. Oh, you're yeah. sending you're sending them out of the house into the cold. Yes. Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> it gives them it gives them strength. How are you doing, Abdullah? Good, thank you. Good. Are you on strike now, or yes, you are on strike. Okay, so I'm not going to ask yeah. you any strike questions because that will actually get you in trouble. So I won't ask you about that. I, I have noticed I am going to make comments, you know, uh, about everybody's appearance. And this is the first time I've seen you oh my God. with an unkept beard, whereas my beard usually looks terrible. And yours is always so nicely trimmed. What's happening? What's happening, Abdullah? No, it's it's fine, Abdullah. Well, I'm just asking because, you know, he usually shames me all the time, not by words, by actions. Uh, Arabs. Arabs. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Nice beard. What are you? You're, are you growing like the full beard? I don't have time to uh, trim it. <laughs> that's fine. I see. That's what I always say to everybody, Abdullah. But I don't he have, looks handsome. I, 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 I'm not talking about if he's handsome or not. I mean, of course he's handsome. I always say to everybody, I don't have a beard. I just don't like shaving. Okay. It's oh, not okay. that I have a beard, right? Just don't like shaving. But you're doing well, Abdullah. Kids are good. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. No, okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> it's, it's difficult to stay like three weeks with them at home. Oh, teaching them, but they're good kids. Stop teaching them, just let them do what they want. I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> Fair no Roxanne. democracy, <laughs> no democracy. Fair democracy. Roxanne, how are you Not doing? My host. 
Uh, I'm doing okay. Yeah. Do you anything? have comments about everyone, like how they're looking? No, yeah. like stuff about. <laughs> no. no, you're you're my daughter. Oh, I had comments last time, but I I did I did say that <laughs> background was blurred because your room was probably a mess. It's it's blurred no, now. It's again, not a because because Christine said that my room looked like a closet. No, my bedroom. <laughs> Oh, it's because in the back of the door, it looks like there's a calendar and then there's a... Yeah, there's my workout, waste... my workout stuff on the back okay. door. <laughs> and then there's like a waste paper basket. And that's the first thing I thought. I was, I was like, okay, maybe she's at school or See, something. Christine, Christine, she left you open. You should have said something like, oh, you work out? Like, you know, like a kind of a way. Oh, that's me. Bad boy, bad boy. <laughs> I don't want to talk anymore. I'm about to the next I'm person. sorry, Rod. I'm really sad. Christine, how are you doing? I'm I'm really sad now. I, I insulted Roxy. I know. I don't know why you. I don't know why you said that. Are I you? I don't either because I'm a ding dong. Are you? Are you excited to head back to Montreal? Yes. Yeah. And how long will your How long will your Will your flight be? Oh, geez. Uh, we're supposed to leave mid afternoon and arrive uh, around eight o'clock p.m. So what's that, what's that called when you stop off at every uh, town? What is that called? Like what do they call that? The know. kettle run or something like that? I can't remember. What yeah, the milk run. Milk run, not not milk kettle. Milk same run. thing. Yeah, a kettle for milk. <laughs> and are you doing that one? Are you stopping off at every village on the oh, way yeah, back? Oh yeah, pretty much. I've got yeah. one, two, three, four, four stops. So you get you get full the full experience of feeling like air sickness at least four times. Yes, <laughs> yes. Nice. And air and air Cree back. You know how they land, eh? Straight to the air. To the, yep. the landing pad and bang Boom. on the ground. We're here. <laughs> We're here. Okay, good to see you. Ame Avalanto, how are you, dear sir? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> Thank mm -hmm. you. <laughs> Thank any, you. Any news on your on your case, which we will be talking about more and more, our cases that we're in? Oh, yeah, no, nothing except the same... Uh... <laughs> Well, I mean, it's it's part of the systemic racism is yeah. the time that you have to wait. It makes sure that no matter what you're describing. Yeah. And uh, when when they see that uh, it's too silent uh, around you, they come with something in order to... Yeah, you understand you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's to keep uh, you under constant disequilibrium. Yeah. So, yeah. so you never feel yeah. any kind of, uh, you know, any exact, kind of comfort. I mean, exactly. not that... Not that people like you and I, I remember a, and you know, it was a white faculty member who was talking about another case where a person was put through years of, of, a, of a court case. So, you know, you're getting paid to stay at home uh, while you're waiting for this court case to happen where nobody who are your accusers will ever see any kind of punishment whatsoever. It's just yeah. all, it's just all about you being proven right or wrong. That's it. That's what the process is. So if you're proven right, your career is destroyed. Yeah, if you're proven wrong, you know, uh, you you know in your heart what happens and, you know, you're still destroyed. So no matter what, you're destroyed. The other side, nothing happens to them. Yeah, the uh, destruction actually, to, yeah, the destruction happened actually the first day you become the target. You Absolutely. know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, uh, what I used to tell people now is I wish the knowledge of systemic racism I have now I had it back then because my fight would have been directed differently. I would not have been so a, 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 a so easy target to them. You understand what I mean? Mm -hmm. The point is 
with my naivety, I never thought what I'm being put through could ever happen in university. I'm, I, I trust me, I never. You know? I, and that baffles uh, that baffles everybody who doesn't have an inside track to what universities are like. They're all baffled by the same thing because they 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 put universities on a pedestal, yeah, of the highest ethics. And the reality is, is that it's a very cutthroat space, very highly competitive, and most people, you know, have that a type personality where there used to be because it's constant ranking that goes on, right? So. Yeah. That's part of it. But, you know, I'm going to tell you to save it for the next podcast because we're going to talk about this. <laughs> Absolutely. I have one thing to share, which is uh, my court cases are, are are going on right now. We did find out that probably there's going to be a decision by mid-2026, I think, is how long it goes on for. Because I've, I have very clearly said that I, I will never sign an NDA. I've been very, very... No, I will not sign confidentiality agreement and uh, i say this on purpose because my exciting news to share is that i don't know ma if you know who your university stalker is do you know who's following you because you're not really on social media besides this podcast but no but i will start being uh with my book my own podcast okay i will have a youtube account a, a instagram a tiktok uh and uh, Facebook. So, so what happens? For... What happens is you get a stalker. You get the university pays somebody who yeah. is is some like legal. I don't know. Uh, adjacent. I have no idea what they are. But basically, their job is to look at what you do. So they've listened to all of my goofy podcasts that I Perfect. did on the on the insubordinate <laughs> teacher, where I, I literally like what, what, where nice. we literally start off by saying this is satire, and the person goes through that and then went through Twitter. Going like, I think he's saying everything that's serious, even though we say it's satirical. It's satire. But yeah. at least, at least you are sure that you have an admirer, right? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, he's the biggest fan. But but this is what I I got to see this person uh, at the last uh, at the last court case. I got to see who she was, oh. and I when I was told by somebody else on our team side, oh, that's the person that follows you on social media. Oh, and, wow. and and keeps track of you. And I wanted to honestly walk over there with a pen and paper, then give her an autograph and go, "Hey, uh, I am the so I'm I'm the insubordinate teacher that you've been following <laughs> all this time. Here's my signature, you know." And I oh, look, wow. every, I don't want to point out everybody is laughing except for Abdullah, who has this very serious look on his face. He doesn't think you should do that. <laughs> no, all. he doesn't think I should do no, that. No. Did, did you did you know that Abdullah actually said to me that he wanted to listen to every podcast before it went out because oh every wanted, episode sorry oh, sorry episode oh god now you're my Christine Fauché on this Yay! yeah every, <laughs> he wanted to listen to every episode before it went out to make sure that he was checking that I didn't say anything that could get get used against me that's how much this guy this guy loves me. Yeah. Well, you're saying the rest of us we don't we don't care. No, yeah. you're like <laughs> you're like you're like say anything you want to and put it out there. <laughs> okay, so so speaking of but, saying no, sorry, but, go ahead. Uh, please, but what I tell myself is it can't be worse than it is already for us, anyways. Yeah, that's true. you know. So, yeah. well, uh, well, on that, on that, like you know, being naive, and, and again, it's something we got to save for another podcast. So write this down, Roxy. Okay, write it down. But but that 
the idea of knowing what you're going to what you're going to receive not receive but what they're going to throw at you i don't know even with the knowledge of that if it stops a normal human reaction to being a bipoc person attacked in academia um because you know that's what we're trying to do in the bipoc academic coalition is is to build that support group but at the same time these are natural human emotions and they know it mm -hmm. i guess it's it's to better know yeah, yeah. What steps what steps what steps to do you know in order to protect yourself better yeah, yeah. thank you Farah. and uh, when i'm talking about uh, guiding in a different way my struggle i also mean particularly this uh, idiotic uh, uh, confidentiality rule that i uh, you, you know the confidentiality never benefits the victim, never. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I was muzzled and reduced to nothing, even not to silence the people they have been recruiting to come forward and uh, accuse me of all the sins of this world. Oh, there is no confidentiality rule applied to them at all. No, no. They can be spreading all kinds of rumors. Even the president of the university had been spreading rumors about me um, when she knows that there are a lot of witnesses and evidence that say what she's saying totally, totally wrong. You understand what I mean? So... The, just the confidentiality rule, I would not have obeyed to it, no matter what have happened. Because it, they built, when they can't get you right away, they built up uh, over the time the mm -hmm. monster that they want you to be. And the more time passed by, the more things root differently about you in the mind of even people who know you. That's okay, so I, I'm, I'm going to make an executive decision based on the time that we're at yes, right I now agree. in the podcast. And I'm going to say something um, that we're going to put aside the conversation of today. Okay, and we're going to have this conversation next week. And instead, I know Christine is like, I'm the student <laughs> that did all the homework. She's got that look on her face, yeah. that look of like, I'm the only one that did the readings. And now you're oh, going to no. put it on oh, the no. I do. <laughs> <laughs> but for the, for, for the sake of a conversation that we already started, she's still moping. Oh, my God. She had I a love Fanon. I know. I know. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about, about Fanon. It does go along with what we are, we are talking about today. Okay. It, really, it really does. But well, let's, okay. let's leave Fanon because, you know, one of the things that we're going to talk about with, with Fanon is this idea of false decolonization. Right? Right. That false decolonization where he talks about when the oppressed willingly trust the process of decolonization right that's completely in control by the uh, by the oppressors um and all that kind of language uh, i think is an is a an argument as well because there's no one at 
for instance, any university, uh, no white person is going to say, by virtue of me being white at this university and Abdullah being a Syrian refugee, it doesn't make me his oppressor. Yeah, uh, exactly. no one, no yeah. one is going to admit that. That none of them yeah. will admit that. But let's put this aside because we're we're so deep into this conversation already. Let's just continue this, and I'm going to suggest that the topic of this episode is going to be a continuation of natural human emotions that come from being attacked within an institution when you are BIPOC and how the institution itself denies any kind of violence that's being put towards you and instead you are the violent person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, by your reactions. Oh, just by Mm -hmm. being just by and I, I know I'm going to bring Abdullah into this conversation right away because Abdullah is an interesting guy and one of the things that's interesting about Abdullah and we've already we've already talked about that a little bit to him and I, I had this conversation with uh, with MA2 which is the idea of Canada when you are in your home country and the image that's portrayed to you compared to what ends up happening. So Abdullah's got a big smile on his face and I think he laughed so hard that it actually cut off his microphone. <laughs> so uh, we'll go, we'll start with Abdullah and then we'll go to MA. Christine, you came from, uh, you were adopted and then, uh, sorry, you were scooped and then taken to uh, the States. So uh, in this case, anything that you would get about your images of Canada would have been from where? Well, we came back for visiting. Uh, okay, so then you don't count. <laughs> I don't count. <laughs> you always You're not count. talking about the topic that she wants. <laughs> I know, she's going to leave. She doesn't want to talk. And again, she's the only student that, that did her reading. And then M.A. jumped in and he was like, I did my reading too. As soon as he knows, <laughs> we're not going to talk about it. So, Abdullah, let's start with you. Okay, what was... This is this is something that's actually super interesting to me because I always think about my mother in particular because I adore my mother and she's my she's the intellectual giant in my life and I'm I'm her worst child but I adore her. <laughs> um but I always like to me I was always curious about the fact that she walked with such confidence mm-hmm. being Iranian in Iran growing up mm-hmm. compared to her kids who were others. So Abdullah I'm going to assume that when you grew up in Syria uh, before the war started, the civil war started, that you grew uh, the up the revolution. Yeah, the revolution. You grew up. You grew up with with the confidence of being Syrian in Syria. And what did you think of Canada? How did you find out about Canada? Um, like it's, it's it's a long story, but in, in when I was twenty years old. I started my uh, BA degree in English literature and planned to move to Canada as an immigrant to pursue my higher education. Okay, this is and, this is pre revolution. Uh, yes. Okay. And like in in 2011, when the uh, revolution in Syria like broke out and it turned from being a revolution to uh, what some call civil war. 
I, I had no choice other than like moving to Saudi Arabia. And then later trying to move to Canada. And then I got the chance to move to Canada in 2016 as a refugee. Mm-hmm. And Canada was was like a, a, a dream mm-hmm. to move to. It's the land where you are free. You can say whatever you want. You can criticize the government, which is something was a taboo in, in Syria. And you can have your rights as a citizen. But after I took your course and I was thinking of this yesterday and and I I, I said to myself, uh, is it like, was it better not to take a course with Christopher and be like that baby? <laughs> Just dreaming, oh, Canada is good yeah. country, it's great. I have to admit that, yeah, my my life here has, has changed to the uh, something better, something like uh, to the negative side. Uh, but you are free here but uh, until you know what's your limits. Mm. What are your limits? Mm-hmm. So these are the limits that you cannot cross. The limits in Syria were different. Mm-hmm. So everywhere you go, you have limits. Like when I was in Saudi Arabia, you have different type of uh, of limits. We are republic, by the way, but we have royal family as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And here in Canada, there are like different taboos that you cannot talk about. But the, there's a there's a difference, and that the taboos that are in Syria are understood by all, and the taboos in Canada do not apply to everybody. Yes. Right. So I'm going to give you. I'm going to ask Amain next about his very interesting story about how he started to think about coming to Canada. But I'm going to ask. I'm going to follow up the question uh, for you. Abdullah, which is decolonization is colonization or post-colonialism is not a foreign thought to anybody from uh, West Asia, Africa, or any of these areas. These are things that we know, right, in, in, in our own home countries. So I'm curious as to what you thought state of decolonization was in within Canada? Like, where did you think they were at with decolonization or post-colonialism or any of those kinds of terms? Okay, so think about that. I'm going to follow up and I'm going to ask Amé that question too. And I want Christine to also think about that in terms of what she would want projected to the rest of the world uh, and what she thinks is being projected to the rest of the world. And then I'm going to follow up with Farah Roxanne and I'm going to ask her, kind of a nightmare was it growing up with a middle eastern father who talked about these things all the time and experienced discrimination versus a white mother who was so many generations canadian that if you asked her where she was from originally she'd say ontario okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> so i want you to think about that nightmare scenario that you were born into so I have I've given you little thought things to go on and I may I'm going to ask you to retell the story that you told me 
about, you know, your introduction to Canada in terms of thinking, okay, this is the place I want to go to. Yeah, I will actually, I will add to the, the first uh, uh, thing I already shared about you because while uh, Abdallah was talking, I remembered a good, uh, a very good um, episode uh, about me in the uh, Canada uh, Embassy in Paris. Uh, but before I, I talk about that uh, experience, I want to share with people how, and I'm sure a lot of Beninis still see in Canada like that, you know, mm. in the mind and deeply rooted in the brains of the Beninis I am, Canada back then appeared to be the cottage of God. Particularly because it's so it's so close to the sky, the heaven, it's up north, right? So mm -hmm. I know, but anyways, when I used to think about Canada, I always think of a land of like God people. You understand me? Mm -hmm. So when it first came that, oh, I may also go to Canada. Yeah, it was harder to believe because, you know, <laughs> that's the land of like God people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And as black, I, I, I was already aware of this uh, mannequin uh, view of life, uh, the light and good. I know we don't want to get into Fano, but the light mm -hmm. and good versus uh, the dark and savage. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I, for a reason, for one reason or another, I never associate uh, white people in Canada to white uh, European, like uh, one white uh, French oh, wow. people, so, so, supremacist. No, mm -hmm. no, no, no. Then here came the date I have to have my interview uh, at the embassy to get my uh, student visa right, to, to, to come. I was checking when I saw the flag, this big flag of Canada on, <laughs> in the embassy. I was asking myself, so me too, I will be allowed first to enter that space, which is the, the, the little part of Canada, but Canada still, and then if things go well, I will be allowed to go and study in that country. Wow. When I got in front of the uh, interviewer, I was checking. I was checking. And I was not checking 
because I was afraid that uh, my uh, request for a visa will be rejected. No, I was checking because I was intimidated to be allowed to talk to a white man. I don't know if I should be ashamed of saying that today, but that's how things were. Because, and it was not talking to a white, bad, a bad white man. No, it talking to a white man who is one of the best people on earth. You understand me? It is, the, and that naivety continue to follow me until 2017 that finally it comes to me that Amy wake up you have to stop that now and like I was telling you it is that naivety of thinking that okay no okay there is racism in Canada but not in university you know what I mean yeah there can't be racism in university and I keep fight. I kept fighting, fighting, fighting against the idea, even though what I was going through was clearly racism, right? No, I will say, even in writing to the senior administration, I said, I am victim of a discrimination, but I'm sure it can't be racist the discrimination. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, you know my joke, I mean, I even said it to the in court. I said, look, I'm getting some kind of discrimination and yeah. the evidence is there. So if it's not racism, tell me what is it? Tell me what it is. Like, tell yeah. me, is it because I'm so good looking? Yeah. That people have to discriminate <laughs> against me. <laughs> and I mean, like, the, you know, what the reaction of the opposing lawyer was he went like that. Like he, you know, he yeah. rolled his eyes. And he went like, you're yeah. not that you're not good looking. <laughs> <laughs> but everything you say, M.A., is, and again, we're not talking about Fennel today, but we can't help but talk about it. That dichotomy, that black-white. I sent you the the article that I wrote about the experience of being in Malawi, where to this day in Malawi, you you can see in the Malawians their their the the struggle of of their perception. And I'm and I work with rural Malawians, you know, so I'm not working with Malawians that are that are in the city so they're they're rural most of the education goes to around it's not like you know your experience goes to maybe grade six and some of them go to high school right mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so their their image of of white people are mm -hmm. of the opposite of them they're saviors mm -hmm. so there's mm -hmm. givers and they're receivers and they yeah. are they are the receivers and the white yeah. people are the givers it's so set in their minds yeah. and and it's it's and it's a real conflict it's so set in their minds that when my great uncle Ahmad Jahan through his foundation finally agreed to give money to build the school and they put the name he doesn't have a name like me Christopher Darius Stonebanks his name is Ahmed Jahan but they refused to believe that he was from wrong they said no he must be a white man yeah. i said i said and i don't know if you have the same language i don't know but but in malawi it's uh white people are, are asungu uh um, okay, no it's not the no, same, not the same. i know I, I think that's chewa it's chewa people who do that <laughs> and um in uh in tanzania they have kind of something similar to that but it's not chewa 
so it's a sungu for white people, uh, amwenye for Asians. And so <laughs> Abdullah and I would be considered Asians and prestige, <laughs> right? Because that's their first contact with Asia. And it's actually on the continent of Asia, right? <laughs> and then it's it's Malawian. And if you and, and other thing, other variances, right? And they refuse to believe that he could be an Amwenye. Amwenyes mm-hmm. are mean. They yeah. come to the country, Indians, Pakistanis, Arabs, to make money, mm-hmm. to open shops, mm-hmm. to overcharge them. Yeah. So they so they can't be benefactors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even even in their mind, they're looking at this name and they're going, "No, this person has given exactly. us something." Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's it is uh, it's, it's uh... and it it and that that yeah we will get we will do the next one we mm-hmm. give up final but <laughs> it is the colonized mind yes. actually you know the unilateralism of white culture yeah white brain washing you mm-hmm. understand I mean it's so I can't wait for it to talk about panel. <laughs> <laughs> because right. only this episode was about I'm refraining in going too deep in my development because I, <laughs> I know we're we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll yes. it'll be your early Christmas present. Okay, we'll do yeah, it okay. next Tuesday. <laughs> Christine, what are you thinking when you hear these perceptions of of Canada and it's it being like a a utopia? I I didn't grow up thinking that. I mean, I I suppose it was the same thing in the States where it was, you know, the land of opportunity, um, you know, uh, that it was free. Like you were free to say anything and and everything. And, you know, you, you had human rights. They were protected, especially... Growing up, you know, I, I was pretty young, but the civil rights movement, um, I thought, wow, this is really important. But as I got older and I would see the segregation, especially through busing, that was a thing during you know, my my youth where um, in and around Boston and, and parts of Massachusetts, they desegregated the buses. And that's got that's where it got me thinking, yeah, that's right. How come I don't see people of color? on the school bus, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the city bus, that was different, but the school buses. So that was a big thing. I think that's where it started. My, you know, my, my brain started looking at the differences and how, it, you know, people are different and how I've been treated differently and why, because as you said, when your mind is colonized from a very young age, you don't question it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, there used to be a saying when I was a kid, that's just the way it is. That's mm-hmm. just the way it is. And I would say things like, but why? But why? And no one could give me an answer. Not my parents, not my friends. No, it's just the way it is. And I, I just, I had a, you know, a hard time accepting it. And I thought, no, I think we can change. I think, and like I said, the civil rights movement really gave me those, um, those thoughts that opportunity to say i can make change too and mm-hmm. you know martin luther king's um speeches and i was like well yeah be the change so okay so comp- complicated question and christine you can give an answer too but 
I have always compared my experience of being in Iran and to, you know, to clarify my time in Iran was pre-revolution mm. with my family uh, mm. in Iran that lived in there. It was always summer. So it was like, you know, three months or something like that during summer break. But in Iran, I felt fully human. Mm-hmm. And at a very young age, I realized mm. from the age of around five, I realized that I wasn't fully human in Canada. And when I yeah. got older yeah. and, I, and I talked to people about it, they said, oh, you have a complex. And I thought, oh, maybe I do. But it's funny. My brother and sister feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And then and I and I grew up in a very white neighborhood. So when I got older and I started talking to other, you know, BIPOC people um, and I started hearing from them, no, I don't feel fully human, too. I realized, OK, mm-hmm. so it's not a complex. It's not. Yeah, just- exactly. Yeah. It's, okay. it's that sense of belonging. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but me. I- I will say I have stayed in a in between states for long because I turn off my brain not to really see it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a mechanism of survival in order not to face that brutal reality, but it looks like for long, 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 I locked my my brains for to protect it. yourself. Yes, to protect myself, and I will always find find excuses. Okay, naturally, I'm a person who always find excuses for others and never for myself. Mm. That's who I am naturally, but. It accentuated when it comes to see racism, systemic racism, racism as a whole, and but particularly systemic racism for what they are. You understand what I mean? Then I will turn to all that nothing, microaggression, microaggression, micro. It's yeah. nothing. It's, it's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. It's nothing. How how long are you going to count that if you want to survive, if you want to live? You mm-hmm. know then it becomes a naturally accepted everyday thing. Yes. Without being really visible because you make sure you become blind every time it happens. And that is where I blame myself, where I blame us for tolerating what should never be tolerated at the first place. You're right. I was I was told very early in my case by one of the lawyers that I was first working with where I started laying everything out that happened. And his response to me was, you should have complained at the very first moment any of these things happened. Yeah. You shouldn't You shouldn't have just waved your hands. You should have complained. And then when they didn't do anything, what, which was their obligation, you should have sued them. Like that was that was what and I was like, I can't. I can't because I've experienced macro aggressions, yeah. you know, yeah. here in Canada. I don't know for somebody like Abdullah, like a microaggression compared to what's going on to his family and friends in Syria. You're like, well, am I going to say anything about somebody giving me a dirty look when yeah. I know that I have friends and family that have been shot? Because that's yeah. serious, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why would I say anything about something so small, you know? Yes. Uh, and and it, it feels petty. 
But yeah. Abdullah, I, I'd like you to 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 give us an idea. I, it's it's I, you know I, I don't expect no one expects like a complete answer because it's such a complicated question. But colonialism and post-colonialism and decolonization are not foreign concepts to Assyrian, right? It's part of a conversation that you would have. You look yeah. at a place like Canada, I think everyone, MA, I believe it was you that said you didn't connect white people in Canada to people in France or England, right? You 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 disconnected them in your mind, which by the way makes white Canadians very happy that you've done that, right? It's <laughs> very happy that you you success they did it. But Abdullah, now when you look at Canada and what are your thoughts in terms of where it's at in some kind of decolonization process or post-colonial process? Have they arrived? Were you shocked that they that there wasn't, you know, some kind of copacetic kumbaya feeling between indigenous people and white people? What are your what were your thoughts? I I haven't heard about the 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 residential school before what i hear before in syria about canada is that like and not in north america in general that they killed the the, the indians there no they were so they were gone and they were gone okay they were gone okay we yeah. have, and there are still like few mm -hmm. of them and nobody talked about the the problem that they are going uh, into it but the if i want to talk about colonization in general and decolonization and give examples about my country in syria the colonization and when when a country goes to another country and colonizes are you going to make me are you going to make me denounce iran again yes <laughs> Abdullah and I had a had a game a little while ago where he decided that he was going to like you know, but do you denounce Iran? Do you denounce Iran and Syria and their actions? <laughs> <laughs> did you say it? Did he? Did he win? No, he hasn't. He hasn't. I think I said something like I denounce Baba Ganoush, but it didn't sound as good as Hamas for Hamas. So, oh. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, Abdullah. I'm sorry. Go on. Go on. Hello, listeners. At this point of this episode, for an episode that's already kind of gone off track, Abdullah and I get into a very in-depth conversation about the geopolitical situation for Syria. And um, yeah, it really had nothing to do with what's going on in academia in the Western world. So we had to pause, we had to stop, and we had to hit reset. So what I've done is I have found a really good snippet of an interview that Bassem Youssef was doing on Virgin Radio Dubai. And this was on December 11th, 2023. And he has a conversation with Chris Fade. And then a young woman named Nala comes on. And for those of you who don't know, Bassem Youssef did this now quite infamous interview with Pierce Morgan, where he turned the entire uh, Israel-Palestine conversation on its head. And so this young woman named Nala, who works on the show, thanks Bassem Youssef for speaking 
on behalf of people that usually are typified in a negative light. And why I think this is important is because she talks about how she perceived herself when she lived in Syria compared to how she finally figured out when she left Syria, the Western world perceives her. So please take a listen. Uh, we've done a little bit of editing to it. It's just a short piece, but I think it will, it will help the listener to understand. And then as soon as this piece is over, we're going to transition back into the conversation that we were all having. Um, and, 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 you know, we'll be, we'll be better behaved in the future, I promise. I, I, what I wanted to do with this is that uh, the people in the West, they see us as uh, angry Arab men. They're just like, uh, I, I, there's no reason for me to listen to them. So I went in, I went in with, uh, with, uh, with, with, um, with the idea of I'm going to flip that and I'm just going to make fun of everything. And I'm going to ridicule this yeah. establishment. I'm going to ridicule everybody. Mm. Everything that you, all of your talking points, I'm going to take it, flip it, magnify it, and then see how you feel about it. So I just, it, it, it was a strategy. And I, again, that show can go either ways. I, I could, I, 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 this could have been like a huge flop. Yeah, I never know. This is Nala who, who's who's on the show with us. Yes, I know Nala. Yeah. I said Nala's like, why is she not on the show? Yeah, so Nala, I'm gonna but, cry now. That's okay. okay. When things are going wrong in the world, <laughs> like like Nala is originally from Syria. Both Basma and Nala, who work on the show. Um, they're in tears. They're crying every morning. We're doing an entertaining show, mm. but they're feeling it because it's PTSD. It's it's traumatic. It's going back to what they grew up with. Is that right, Nala? Is that yeah. why? Yeah. It's just, uh, it's a lot of PTSD, I would say. And it's also the fact that we never, like us Arabs never have a voice. And if it's, we have a voice, we're looked at in a different way, in a negative way. So to see someone to come out of it and actually people start going like, oh, like, you guys are funny. You guys are intelligent. You guys and stuff. So seeing someone talk about that, it just... It's okay, Nala. It's okay, Nala. Yeah. Get, get it out, baby. Yeah. Get it out. Good, get it yes. out. Play it out. We lived there for two years, which is the reason I have so much PTSD. And that's the moment where I realized that us Arabs are hated. Because we lived in a bubble where we didn't see that. Until that exploded, I started realizing people's point of view, how they see us, how they perceive us. So after I left, it was just such a struggle mm. with it. And like when I know people are going through that as well, and we finally get a voice where people actually listen to, like I know you don't like being the voice, quote unquote. And it's not technically like it's just people listen, whether it is you because us arabs we joke around about everything everything that goes on in our life we just make a joke out of it so someone who actually listened to that to me that was very important because we're talking about you know the promise of canada right this is the promise of canada that all of those things that are happening in your home country don't happen here so where is your opinion on that that this place is actually a decolonized space where there is equity it is like if you if you want to talk about this point I it did. is decolonized until like a, a point mm -hmm. and the decolonization means more social justice 
Does it, is there so when you have when you have justice in this society, we don't have racism, we don't have discrimination, we don't have all these types of, of discrimination. Yeah, so you decolonize this society. So but is until it, is now it... in Canada, we still have these problems. Okay, we still have like anti-Semitism, we still have Islamophobia, the the discrimination uh, to many minorities here. Uh, the, by... indig the indigenous people aren't in power. Yes. <laughs> yes, and they will. They, it's 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 difficult. Okay, the for 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 the the indigenous people to accept someone to control them. This is our land. How can I? How can you convince those indigenous people that this is? Uh, you have to share your land with someone who. Is not from this land. I mean, they're not sharing. It's 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 okay. The, uh, I, uh, it, it, they and they we didn't yeah. reach to the point to, to share. I'm not giving you anything. Mm -hmm. I'm not giving anything to the indigenous people. They are con fully controlling them. You don't have like uh, we still okay. We I hate that when we start any conversation by we acknowledge that <laughs> we live That's on the of... land of indigenous people. <laughs> oh. I never okay, thought so, I would hate it, but now I, like in the last few years, I really started well, to Well, it's hate so, it. I mean, I say the same thing every time. It's so like, we acknowledge that we have this land. It's ours now. And we I kill people it. here. Yeah, we, we kill people here. And we they don't have clean water. They don't have anything. And yeah. we are happy. Yes, we are yeah. happy that we are well, doing this. I I suggested to you, and I know you took it seriously. And Christine is working in the Cree communities now. But it's the only time on this continent, on the Americas, that I ever felt well, the northern part of it, I ever felt human was living in Cree territory. It was the only time I've ever felt human was mm -hmm. living in Cree villages. There mm -hmm. I felt human. Okay, Abdullah, we'll decide which parts we'll keep and which parts we don't keep from the conversation. <laughs> Have fun editing. No, I'll I'll edit the question so you say say great things about Iran. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I would like to hear Farah. Ah. Because Farah brings to our community such a much richer richer point of view than us because and Farah uh, forgive me if <laughs> but having a white mother and an Arabic father in your society, your society, because in every, all of us here, it's more your society than ours, right? We, mm -hmm. we came to borrow part of it, with, but it is your society. Nobody will come and say, ah, no, you're not from here. What, how, where, where do you situate yourself in all this struggle? And how do you keep balance mm. in so just that? A, just a quick, a quick note to the listener. Um, I decided, um, well, no, I, it wasn't my decision. 
but we named our first daughter Farrah Roxanne. Um, and I just decided to start calling her Roxanne instead and Roxy. So don't get confused if you hear Farrah Roxanne, same person, Roxy. Sorry. I'm just gonna say right now my internet is really cutting out. So hopefully oh, no. I can I can I can hear you. It's working. We can hear you. Okay. Yes. Um how do I situate myself? I don't know. It's it's very complicated. And I think a lot of the times people like telling me where I should situate myself. I think that's where I find a lot of struggle is if I speak out against anything. A lot of people like telling me what I am allowed to stand for and what I'm allowed to speak about and what I'm not. And it tends to be based on like what they feel is safe for me to speak about. So if I mm -hmm. start speaking about oh, my family celebrates Nauru's. If it's something kind of light, then they're like, oh, that's nice. You come from a mixed family. You can speak about that. But then if I want to talk about something like I'm against like Islamophobia or anything around that, then they're like, well, you're white and you have blue eyes. So you can't actually talk about that anymore. It's no, you're 100%. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's oh, she frozen. Her internet. Oh, it's okay. I'll cut this out when she comes back. Uh, and she's saying so yeah, very interesting things. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Uh, okay, no problem. I'll, I'll cut it out. Continue with your thought. Okay, I'm not sure where I cut out, but it was just, you know. Oh, it you, the last thing that you said was about how decisions are made for you and a little bit about that kind of disconnect. Yeah, so you just, you know, it, it feels like I can't feel strongly about anything except for if other people you know outsiders get to decide what i do get to feel strongly about depending on what makes them feel safe for me to talk about you know mm -hmm. and and i think also growing up here it's confusing for a lot of people who don't have the same experiences as me because <laughs> i grew up here my whole life right but then i don't feel a hundred percent connected here because it's hard to feel connected to a space where a large part of your family doesn't feel safe or welcomed here. Wow. So how can it be my home? Right. But then the other half of my family, this is their only home. And it's, it's very, wow. it just, it's, it's hard to find like, what, what is your place? Where is your home in this uh -huh. weird sort of, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. and it's, uh -huh. it's hard to explain to people. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Wow. I have goosebumps uh, listening to you because uh... <laughs> No, seriously, seriously. And uh, what you are saying is there is no safe home for anyone until uh, it's safe home for everybody. That's exactly mm -hmm. what I understood from what you are saying. You can choose... you. You can choose. I'm sorry to be playing the moderator role now. <laughs> no, no, I, I may. I may. You're, the way the way you just summarized what uh, Farah Roxanne said, it's almost like you're a professor or something. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Fired long ago. <laughs> you, you, you know, this is very, very interesting, and that's what uh, supremacists don't know. Mm. No one is safe until everybody is safe. No one is in peace until 
everybody is in peace. And that is exactly what you just said, Farah Roxy. So, so my, my other question for you will be then, but do you, do you think that there is some hopes? Do you think that, yes, one day you are convinced that one day you will feel like home because all of us will feel like home? There, is there any hope in your mind? I think there has to be, you know, for the work that everyone's doing here and the work that I want to do, I have to feel hope. Like there has to be, we have to be moving towards something, you mm -hmm. know? And I, mm -hmm. I think seeing the work that people are doing now and seeing people in my generation younger than me, you know, mm -hmm. the, the work that they're putting in and the care that they're giving, I think mm -hmm. even from like when I was in high school until now, it has Merci. increased so much Merci. that I, I can't imagine there's going to be a stop to it. I think it's just going to get better and better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree with you. I, I'm seeing some real connections that are very different um, that, that, uh, that I experienced growing up mm -hmm. in Canada. Uh, one of them is now you're seeing so many images of, mm -hmm. of Palestinian and indigenous people together, especially dealing with the freedom dances that they do and the land yes. land mm -hmm. dances they do. You get so many of those images that are coming out. Going to the protest, you see Mohawk flags flying. It's 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 really now people are making the kind of connections mm -hmm. um, that that we wouldn't have dared to do in the past. Yeah. So we we are seeing uh, we are seeing a difference. By the way, uh, just news just came out. Abdullah, I don't know if you heard this, but uh, Puma Sports Apparel is now dropping Israel, and they're not sponsoring them anymore. Oh my God! Yeah. So they oh say oh. they say for those who can't hear this, uh, Ame has just done a victory sign, and <laughs> but um, they're claiming that they did not. Uh, did not stop support because of the boycott that they were going to make a decision for 2024 anyway. Sure. But, in, but insiders are saying, yeah, they had to finally succumb. Abdullah, what are your thoughts on that? No, like uh, boycott is a peaceful uh, way to to like uh, contest something. Like you want to say something and uh, you want a peaceful way. So boycott is one of the ways that you can do that. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. I just hear a story about someone from my community that she was fired from her job because her friends wants to order something from Starbucks and she refused and she told them I'm boycotting. Starbucks because of uh, it's supporting to the IDF mm -hmm. and they 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 complain about her and she got fired. So even this, you are not allowed to do it sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so, I we heard about what's happening in uh, the states. Yeah, they are trying to make a law that boycotting anything from. Israel is should be illegal. We we have that in Canada. It's a soft. It's a soft kind of. Uh, it's not a law, but it was a soft statement. Well, it's not. A, it was a statement that doesn't doesn't come across as soft. Saying that there's a 
there is a parallel between boycotting Israel and anti-Semitism. Oh it's God. happening. It's happening at your university right now, at McGill University, where the majority, what was it, sixty-eight percent, voted uh, in favor of boycotting uh, products as peaceful mm -hmm. protest. And you're saying the university says no, we don't care. But now this country doesn't care about democracy when the votes don't go the way. But, they but want, the, you know? the the problem is like we don't we 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 condemn like violence. Mm -hmm. We are trying to claim our rights in peaceful way and boycotting is one of these ways so even this you are not allowed to have mm -hmm. well we're going to get mm -hmm. to this conversation so what how can we how can we claim our rights we are going to talk about this christine's done the readings she's crossing her arms she's looking very upset with me <laughs> because we had a different <laughs> conversation today but what we're going to talk about too when we talk about fanon is that even peaceful protest is considered violent. Yeah, you have no right to protest at all. Anything have... is violent. Saying that you're working in a racist environment is violent. Right, exactly. You know, to, to give you an example, back in May 2017, I was a senator at the university. I was senator and... Uh, there were this uh, black guy molested uh, in a shopper drug mat, allegedly mm -hmm. that he oh, yeah. was going to steal uh, something, and he had his uh, uh, leg broken, and nobody will care. So the matter got uh, to uh, the Senate, uh, and uh, we all condemned back then what happened, and. Uh, the president, but the back then president of York University, uh, Dr. Shukri, gave us a speech. It was a speech of what? 30 seconds, one minute. About the case of a young man being molested and uh, tortured until his leg is broken. So as a senator, I raised my hand and uh, gave a speech. And purposely, I mobilized the, the, the speech time, I think for five to 10 minutes over what I was allowed to. And what I was explaining is uh, how racism is not just a word of five uh, alphabet letters for us who suffer racism, mm -hmm. but it's a permanent wound in our flesh. That's all the extent of my speech. This uh, so-called uh, investigator when he was reported this speech said that I was harassing <laughs> my white colleagues so for for context for yeah for context for listeners the, these this is all part of the dismissal process that MA went through where all of these retroactive uh pains 
come up uh, from people. This the deep hurt to listen to a black man talk about the pain of another black person. Yeah, you made person. them feel guilty. I mean, that what must have hurt more Ouch. than the broken leg. Yeah, yeah. That I am violent. <laughs> I'm I'm violent mm. to my white colleagues, mm, 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 mm. and I, I am constantly harassing them. Yes, in that speech, you know, you should be ashamed that of yourself. Is, that is one of the reasons why I have to be terminated. Yeah, I mean, you should yes. be ashamed. You should be ashamed of yourself talking, Absolutely. talking for so long about racism. And an injury to a to an innocent person. That's terrible. It's yeah. awful. Yeah. You know, uh, when I look, I love this conversation. I know we went and jumped all over the place. I feel really guilty about Christine because once again, she's a smart student in the class that did her homework. <laughs> she's even turned her microphone off. She's so angry. She doesn't want to be here. <laughs> she's just nodding her. She's nodding her head, saying like, "Yeah, I'm angry at you." She's laughing. She won't. Still won't turn her microphone on. <laughs> And we will have to stop soon because we we will, we will, we will. And so I just, I just want to say something, you know, that when I've done presentations to young people on racism and Islamophobia and the fakeness of decolonization, when I give it to young people, I get such compliments. When I do it to an older generation, I literally, in the university context, have had one professor come to me and say, you make me so mad, I want to punch you in the face. Mm -hmm. It's a true mm -hmm. story, okay? Yep. And then I had a retired professor say to me that, why don't I go back to my own country? No, he actually said, why don't you go back to Saudi Arabia if you <laughs> love it so much? And I said, well, I'm not from Saudi Arabia, so I don't, I don't, I don't know if they'll, I don't Arabia. know if they'll take me, you know, but, but that is, that's the kind of responses you get. Yeah. And, I, and I, and I really mean this, that yeah. whenever anyone tells me, go back to your own country, when I was younger, it used to really impact me, but then living in the indigenous communities, living in Cree community, you know, friendships with other indigenous people, it's really taught me that this is not the oppressor's land. Mm -hmm. They are oppressors. It doesn't yeah. belong to them. To them. Mm -hmm. And the people whose land this belongs to have always made me feel human. Yeah. Yes. So exactly. now, same here. Same here. Same yeah. here. You know. So Christine, I'm glad you said something. So now that you've monopolized the conversation so much, <laughs> <laughs> Abdullah. Uh, I, I will make a brief comment uh, that uh, a lot of the conversation between you and I has been edited out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll save that for another podcast. Uh, Christine, I'm going to give it to you as for final thoughts. Um, yeah, it was a great conversation. I think we, you know, all of us have learned something about the different ways that we've experienced decolonization <laughs> or so-called word decolonization mm -hmm. colonized countries christine are, are you going to give me a, a bad course review because you did mm. you you were prepared and i didn't of, of course not i know you're a human <laughs> thank you all right thank you to everyone much love to you all <laughs> yes Bye. thank you, I love you. Bye. 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 Bye.